0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their beginnings, their successes, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is illustrator and printmaker, Francis Jetter. Starting in 1974, Francis went from photographing inmates at Rikers Island to getting fired from her design job at Esquire, to finally finding what felt right to her illustration. Among other topics, Frances and I talk about her having a decades long career in spite of being told that her work was sad and ugly. She shares why she hits political and social issues hard with her work, and the longtime SVA teacher gives illustrators advice on finding authenticity. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Where are you?
1: I'm uh, on Broadway and 79th Street in Manhattan.
0: Upper West Side? Yes. Um, is that where you grew up? or
1: I grew up in Brooklyn. Where? Ocean Parkway between N and O. Do you know where that is?
0: I do know where that is. That's that's past, That's what is that? King's, uh, what neighborhood would that be?
1: Is it Midwood? I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure either. Just when I feel like I have a grasp on what the neighborhood is, <laughs> the real estate agents change it to something else. Um, it's a little bit. It's a little bit short of Coney Island. It's actually quite short of Coney Island.
1: It's between Prospect Park and Coney Island.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And I found out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg went to my public school. What? Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's amazing.
1: That was nice to know.
0: Of course, I. Um, I grew up. In Baltimore, but I lived in Brooklyn for a bunch of years. My wife, my children, and I. Um, our first apartment in Brooklyn was in Windsor Terrace, which is ah. south of Prospect Park and west of where you grew up. And um, then we moved out to Bay Ridge, which is south of that, by the Verrazano Bridge.
1: Yeah, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. Where are you now?
0: I am in Chester County, Pennsylvania. About. A stone's throw away from the Brandywine Museum of Art.
1: Oh. Ah. Huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. We moved a few months ago. Um, it was just, you know, I, we've always wanted to move at some point. But COVID just sort of kicked our butts into gear, as it were.
1: Must so. be easier to live there than New York. Uh,
0: in in many ways. Um, in many ways. In some ways, a bit more difficult or even just a bit more annoying. Like the bagels here are awful.
2: They're just imagine. awful.
0: <laughs> God. And I you know, living living in New York for twenty years, you'd hear those stories. You hear like, Oh, the pizza is better here, the bagels and the bread is better here, it's in the water and all that. I was like, Yeah, yeah, whatever, come on. No, it's true, man. It is so true. The pizza out know. here is why? awful.
1: Yeah, why can't they make good pizza and bagels? That's weird.
0: It's so weird. Anyway, so you grew up in Brooklyn. What uh, was your Were you like a, you know a, a, a drawer as as most kids are? Were you a doodler? Yes, or?
1: yes. I always true. I lived in a house that was a four family house, and we're all related. And uh, I had an older cousin. I have an older cousin, and he was going to Pratt for architecture. Uh, he bought me my first great art book that really was important to me and he was wonderful influence and the cousins downstairs were uh, interesting and creative, Mm -hmm. smart um, in visuals and um, in words.
0: What was the book? Do you remember the title of it or do you have it handy?
1: Yes, I have it. The Golden Encyclopedia of Art. And I think I was about 11 and a half when he gave that to me.
0: Mm. Um, doing some research on you. I learned that your grandfather came to America from occupied Poland in 1911, and he got a job as a pocket maker in the garment district in New York. Um, the reason I bring that up is because my father had the same beginning. Um, oh. He wasn't fleeing war or persecution, but he was fleeing a life of uh, being a farmer, which he didn't want. Um uh, so he came here from Italy in 1966. His first job was sewing the inner lining of coats at a in a, in a garment like factory. Oh. Yeah.
1: And did he do that for a while?
0: Uh just for a few years and then he got a license cutting hair and then he became a hairdresser. Um but I learned that your family I mean it, it be, being in the garment district, I mean there's there were it's quite a connection between that and you and your upbringing?
1: Um, Yes, uh, because the union was very important to the entire family. Uh, And other relatives, including my father and uncles, and Mm -hmm. a lot of friends and family members uh, worked in the factory. My grandfather helped to get them jobs. And they were committed to the union. My grandfather was really adamant about that because he thought that things were unfair and he wanted them to be fair. Right. Uh, to have a living wage.
0: Isn't that amazing? What, I mean, isn't it amazing that a century later or so, um, these are the kinds of conversations we're still having politically. Exactly. Word, for, word for word, word for word, you know, fighting for yeah. a living wage. Exactly. It's incredible. Um, what was it about the work of, of uh, to Colwitz? that most connected with you?
1: Well, that actually, there was a picture in, way in the back of the Golden Encyclopedia of Art, and my favorites tended to be in the back of the book, and there were very small pictures, and there was something called Seeds for Sowing Must Not Be Milled, and there was also a George Gross picture, mm. and those are the things that I'm most related to mm-hmm. in the whole book. I think the humanity in her work, and the beautiful drawing, the political content um many things about her work mattered to me
0: why do you think those pieces were in the back
1: the the stuff that was in the back of the book wasn't considered to be the most important artist they were kind of like you know Hmm. sidebars in a way
0: um for folks who don't know katakulwitz was a german artist a printmaker a sculptor she was the first woman elected to the Prussian Academy of the Arts. Her intaglio pieces are unbelievable. I mean, I, she she could draw with the best of the best. But more than that, she was able to capture the the expressions and gestures of pained and oppressed people with an emotional resonance that really does does stop you. So it's it's disappointing to to hear that they, you know she was relegated to a small square in the back of a art book
1: that's true i don't know if they would do that these days they would certainly want to be more politically correct than right. to put you know the only woman in the book in the back maybe there was one other woman earlier in there
2: mm.
1: um, but the strength of that were in the drawing and later i found out that she repeated the same piece again and again so there was something she was after that she felt she wasn't getting in some of them Right. Uh, and I agree. I think the Intaglio pieces are the most incredible, and the lithographs are great, also.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, most of the work I've seen of hers is black and white. The same can be said for you. It appears to be a, a conscious choice. Is is that? Would that be safe to say?
1: Uh, no, I don't think that it has been a conscious choice. But color is not something that is that essential in my work i think Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so many things that i i love are in color but once in a while you know i love you know i'm close to a piece that's done in color of my own but i think that when it works in black and white that's sort of it and Mm -hmm. then the adding of color is to maybe have a supplement in some ways but it has to be already there in black and white
0: right It's not a conscious choice, but it's something that certainly doesn't seem to be impeding your career Like have you ever had art directors or anyone else any other art buyer say to you? You know what you need to do add more colors your stuff needs to be brighter. Like did you ever? Come across something like that
1: Well, I came across something else your stuff is too heavy. It's too sad. It's too strong. It's you know ugly Uh, stuff like that is what i heard and wow eventually you know when i started working it was around 1974 when i started illustrating black and white was really more important and more prevalent and a lot of magazines didn't have color or they had limited color so uh It was a different kind of thing then, and certainly in the newspapers, which interested me, um, you had to do black and white then, and the color was pathetic when they finally had color. Um, But then later on, when they had color, they wanted color. Um, So I got very used to working in color, and it mattered to me that it felt right, and sometimes it was easier to make an image clear when you had the choice of color. Sure. So that was different. And then I also, I don't know if you know that, I did a lot of book jackets. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them were for young adults and some for younger children, but they were smaller publishers, and this art director really fought for the work. And there I was more of a designer, so I can do whatever I wanted, whether it was sculptural or collaged or uh, a linocut, Mm -hmm. you know, and work with the type also. So those pieces were all color. And that was a different experience since it was getting away from the printmaking.
0: Yeah. You studied photography at Parsons. Um, at the time you had no idea what illustration was to use your, uh, to use your own words. How did you wander into illustration?
1: Well, I took a graphic design course at Parsons and Parsons was then a three year school. Mm -hmm. And I took academic courses to, uh, to to get a degree, Uh, and I didn't really know what graphic design was then either. I wandered into that. You know, um, I was kind of expected to go to Pratt because my cousin did, but that was my act of rebellion to choose Parsons (laughs) and to choose graphic design. Mm -hmm. Um, And the graphic design course was like the Bauhaus. It wasn't like I think graphic design is, is often taught taught today. It was a combination of things. And with one teacher, we were really able and encouraged to do images that were figurative, illustrative, not, you know, corporate looking at all, mm-hmm. um, very idea oriented. And that was quite interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I had been exposed to photography and courses in high school and felt close to that. And I really admired one of the teachers, Larry Fink. Um, So I had his courses. And then I ended up mostly studying photography. And then I uh, had um, a master's class with his teacher, Lisette Moselle, who was very old at that time, Mm -hmm. and a great photographer also. That was what I did in school. Uh, An early job. made me think that wasn't that I wasn't destined to be a photographer. A job in school involved going to a work study thing. Mm-hmm. Mental hospitals and prisons. And they sent entertainment there and I was supposed to take pictures there. And the prisons were really it was very enlightening to see these prisons, Rikers Island and sure. um some others and the Queen's House of Detention. But in the mental hospital, somebody said, you know, you could be here as well as anybody, you know, who's here <laughs> could be here. Thanks a lot. But true, probably that any of us could end up in yeah, dire uh, streets. That's true. And how would you like it if someone took your picture? That's a good point. So they were sending entertainment and they wanted pictures of the audience. So then that was the first confrontation with that. Hmm. The other thing is I'm a shy person and that's, you know, Um, I guess it's limited as far as being a photojournalist, Uh, but that didn't really change things. Uh, I got a job outside after I finished school as a designer in the Esquire magazine uh, promotion department, Mm -hmm. and I did mechanicals there, and I got fired before the year was up. I was so nervous. Uh, that every time, you did mechanicals with ink then, and you had to spray type oh, and yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. And I was so nervous that everything got, got smeared, uh, so I got fired. And um, <laughs> <laughs> that seemed to be, it was devastating, but I had to start to look for work. And when I was looking for work with this mixture of portfolio that no one could survive with today, because it had a number of things in it. Hmm. I started to get work as an illustrator, and I didn't know that illustration could be about thinking and solving problems. I I had no understanding of that. Hmm. It turned out to be exactly what felt right.
0: Right. Yeah, and you're now, I mean, this was, so you started in 74, do some math. It's a long time. Your clients include the New York Times, the Washington Post, Time, The Nation, The Village Voice, The Progressive. Um, There's a theme there, by the way. Um, I'm guessing you've never done work for the National Review.
1: No, I haven't. But I did work for Business Week, computer magazines, um, a number of publishers, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Sports Illustrated, things that that I probably didn't list because I kind of made a a shorter list of it. Mm. And I think the things that mattered to me had to do with with rights and politics and right. that kind of thing. So that's probably what I focused on. But uh, having to make a living and also to keep busy, uh, it wouldn't be a good idea to only do, you know, those places. You would starve to death. Um,
0: so you're saying that if the, like, uber conservative weekly Gazette called you up, you might want to, you might take that job?
1: No, I wouldn't. No, oh. no, and I didn't take that kind of work. And mostly, I got jobs that were right politically for me because right. the art directors were very conscious of the person they hired sure. and that person's view. Um, and my work was now it looks normal, I guess, but then it looked really pointedly aggressive for publication. So. Um, that had something to do with the work that was, Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: I was asked to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, were, were you finding jobs early on the same way everyone else did back then? Just sort of quite literally pounding pavement and trying to meet up with art directors and things like that.
1: Yes. And the amazing thing is that you could meet up with just about anybody then at the top magazines.
0: Right. You can't do that now, can you?
1: Uh, No. (laughs)
0: What do you What do you You tell your
1: hope for a drop off now? (laughs) Right.
0: What do you tell your students at SVA about that? Like when you when they ask you like How do I get jobs now versus you know back when you did, you know back when you started? What, What 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 would you recommend?
1: Well, I sent mailers out then, and of course it's different now with maybe you know. Sending them your website and mm-hmm. having things on Instagram, it's quite different. But I always tell them to look at whatever publication or place, look at it carefully, see that they have something that resembles the kind of work you do. Mm-hmm. If it is so far out that they're never going to use you, it'd be better to focus on first the stuff that you really like and where you think your work fits in. Mm-hmm. Uh, And if that gets too narrow, you might need to enlarge it. Like if you do like to do portraits or if you're good at caricatures, then, you know, do more of those and send those out. And you have to remind people. And I tell them that. And I also tell them, I think, you know, when I went out, it was a very much clearer place where you can see all these magazines or newspapers and know where your work might fit in and pursue it. Right. And now it's quite a bit, it, it's scattered. It's hard to find those places. Um, they have to look at annuals and see who's doing what. Mm. Um, those things that I think everybody has to do now who isn't already established. And I think it's harder to have um, a career and make enough money in that without doing some other things. So um, that's what I tell them, and that they have to manage to bounce back about after being ignored. Um, mm-hmm. I, and that was something that was always the case that you have to kind of get yourself together and go out again. And it's it's a very hard thing to do.
0: Sure. You mentioned politics and social issues. Um, through your art, you definitely hit political, social subject matter hard. Um, where do you think that comes from? Beyond beyond I, being getting the assignments, like just personally, where do you think it comes from?
1: I think it has something to do with my family and growing up as I did. I guess then I wouldn't have known that these things mattered to me so much, but. I think it's part of an upbringing Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and of, you know, viewing things. Um, My father worked in a factory. Uh, He'd come home with the shear sometime because he'd get laid off. I saw the devastation firsthand, you know, for him, Mm -hmm. for the family, the worry, the difference, the feeling that somebody was getting rich off his labor. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was... Managing and he worked very hard, and this is something that um, probably fed into you know the kind of work that I like to do. Sure, um, it was always a liberal family, so um, that was another thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what role, if any, do illustrators play or should illustrators play? on political and social stages, do you think?
1: I wouldn't say that anybody should do anything other than what's true to the person himself or herself. Mm-hmm. To me, it doesn't matter. And I certainly wouldn't give students political assignments. Uh, if they choose to go that way, that's another thing. Right. Uh, I think they have to find what they want to do and then do it as far as impact there aren't that many things anymore that have that change anything. Um, I don't think anything that I've ever done has changed anybody's mind and I'm not out to change anybody's mind. Uh, there are extreme examples where there's something that happens that's terrible, but most of the time people don't even see the illustration. It's a funny thing that, you know, the art director and art director of the New York times, Jarrell Krause once said to me, it's, amazing that people don't even know there's an image on the page or years ago. Uh, It's it's shocking, but that's the reality of it, unless somebody chooses to get offended.
0: Sure. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, the same can be said in the children's book world when there are authors who are enjoying tens of thousands of followers, and then they post a cover reveal, everybody, and they don't credit the illustrator. And the comments are, that's such a great cover. Good job. Oh my God, we're so happy for you. This is so great. And then the author is saying, thank you. Oh. <laughs> so that's a whole other conversation, Francis, that I don't even want to get into at this point. Oh, I know. Oh my <laughs> God. Um, so your vision is quite unlike what one normally would think of when they think of editorial illustration these days. Um. I I could be wrong there, but, uh, your work has, is such, um, I don't know, there's a rawness to it. There's a, there's a direct to paper kind of feel to it. I mean, you, you, lino cuts, you don't get a whole, there isn't a whole ton of folks getting into lino cuts. There are a ton of folks getting into like digital brushes and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I I'm pointing that out because I I get a sense from illustrators that if their work doesn't follow some stylistic trend du jour, that they won't get work. In fact, one illustrator emailed me saying that a quote industry pro, I don't know who this person is, but I do not like them, told her that traditional art isn't accepted anymore. Uh. This is this is recent. This wasn't like five or ten years ago. This is a week ago.
1: This is vile. And there has to be some kind of backlash.
0: Oh, thank you, Uh, I
1: have to kind of calm down as far as student work goes, because once they do more traditional work and they can translate it to something digital and it looks like their work,
2: Mm -hmm. great.
1: Uh, Who cares how they make the work? Exactly. Uh, But the problem is they dive right into this some of the time and it all looks the same. And I think it's really unfortunate it's a problem that things are this way. And I hope that there'll be some kind of backlash. And I try to get students to to work in other ways, at least at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What can you do if this is what's going on and they don't want to? I'm not going to try to force them that way. But I don't think that it's it's not a good thing, mm-hmm. and it's pathetic for an art director to say something like that. It's yeah. almost funny except it's kind of sad. It's
0: incredibly sad, um, and it was like at a conference. It was, you know, it, it's just uh, – I talk about this all the time in the podcast, and I, 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 I worry that I'm going to um, bug my listeners uh, to the point where they'll stop listening just because I, I <laughs> can't stop railing against this bullcrap. Um,
1: it really it's is. It's so yeah.
0: false. It's so provably easily – false too it just take a quick scan of a magazine or any book and you'll you'll see traditional art all over the damn place but
1: yeah thank goodness know, still there.
0: exactly oh totally still there I, I actually think that there is a little bit of a pendulum swing back toward the traditional i think people are getting a little they're they're weaving more traditional stuff into the digital stuff and um I don't know. There's more of a maybe it's a more of a, a in a way a, a way to pursue more individuality within um, their work, or at least the the pros are doing this. Um, anyway, I'm just rambling. So no, you-
1: I think that's the case that uh, that there's going to be some kind of backlash to it, uh, but it's always been trendy. Illustration has always been trendy. Uh, and it goes on to something else. And, uh, and then there are people who are not part of those trends yep. or they find a way to reinvent themselves if they were trendy. Uh, I don't know, but it's not just something new, but the digital thing makes it even worse.
0: Um, what do you teach at SVA? Uh,
1: I teach a second year class that's called storytelling artist books. Mm -hmm. a third year class that has a project that's almost a year long based on usually written material and they have to do about 10 pieces on that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: there's another class where i show movies that's only a one semester class and ask them to experiment quite a bit of it during the year now um i don't know i mean this is (laughs) a segue into what I'm interested in now, I don't don't know if you know that I don't do um, traditional illustration anymore.
0: Um, What? No, uh, I'm kidding. It's fine.
1: Yeah. I started to do artist books and part of it, why the digital is popular now and why people might have to work digitally. Uh, is because the pace has changed so much Mm -hmm. from what it used to be. And things have to be done so rapidly that I don't know how many people have the time to to paint, to cut, to do something that is going to take more time. Mm -hmm. Like it used to be staying up all night several times a week. Um, And I loved it. Uh, there was nothing more thrilling to me than to have an assignment, something to work on and be so absorbed in it that finally you see the sun coming up and the newsstand across the street and all of this. And um just being alone with the work and the intensity of it and the deadline always helped. And it was something that was thrilling and sometimes several, uh, all nighters a week and then of course nothing for a while the way that kind of work would go. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I started to want and need a lot of time to do something rather than doing it overnight. And I wanted to work larger and the control of it got worse. Um, it. There was a lot of freedom in the 80s. You could basically do anything you wanted. The art director you worked for, you had a good relationship, and they'd defend your work, and they wouldn't even have to. Mm -hmm. But things changed around where editors got so much control of things. They didn't always understand the images. There was tremendous interference that started to happen. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the freedom was was gone, Mm -hmm. and plus I just needed something else, more time. And then that evolved into making artist books. And to me, this is still illustration. It's storytelling. Mm -hmm. It gets into all the things that you might do for a magazine or newspaper. And it's longer range. And I like to do the writing and to to put these things together. And that's what I started to really concentrate on about 2009. Mm -hmm. These books end up in... Uh, they're in the Library of Congress, the New York Public Library, Stanford University, UCLA, a number of other places. But I think being out there is very important. And these are in, you know, not the same thing as having something in a newspaper. Sure. Uh, so, but I think in the future, going after having them published as books, uh, not just artist books, would be something to to go for. Yeah,
0: and I, I suspect that. I mean, years, decades of working traditionally has has influenced, more than influenced, your decision-making while working digitally. I mean, I think that's the point. That is the point. Not, not you know, one or the other. It's learn one, which will help the other, which will help your decision-making with the other.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I don't work no. digitally, but now I incorporate elements of collage that are digital, and it's still – you know, from a linoleum block, which is my primary material. Mm-hmm. And it's always been a mixture of, you know, between what has been called fine art and illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see the separation. It's a very snobbish thing that some people in uh, the so-called fine arts see, but sure. I, I don't see it. It's either good or it's not good or somewhere in between.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, someone who said they were a student of yours said, and I quote, I had Frances as my thesis professor. She is inspiring and just harsh enough to make you get your work done. She can seem brutally honest, but if you listen, your work will look great. It's the brutally honest part that's interesting to me. Uh, Very (laughs) nice. (laughs)
1: And I've been thinking that I've been taking it easy on them.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, that's my question. Of late, I mean, like, does this whole... Are we we now in an environment where you can't be brutally honest? You can't even be honest when it comes to critiquing your students' work in college.
1: I think I'm being gentle these days, and apparently not. You know, it's (laughs) not the first time that, that that happens and generally we get along after two semesters at the end of the struggle mm-hmm. but um i think it used to be clear-cut also you know teaching in continuing ed or early on and preparing people for editorial illustration which was a clear-cut thing newspapers and magazines mm-hmm. uh because that was mostly my focus with some book jackets maybe uh and what was going to help them in a portfolio uh, was more clear cut than what is going on these days.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess that I'm trying to be a little gentler because pe- people didn't like to be criticized then, but now it's where they get to review us <laughs> and evaluate us and, and all of that. And, and I'm not
0: petition <laughs> and petition to get you fired. I mean, am I taking that it too far? Be.
1: Well, I don't think they're doing that yet to me. But no, not
0: you, not you. But possible,
1: but p- it petition could to happen. Get one fired.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it could happen with too many hate letters. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's 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 my that's kind of where I'm going with that. Um, what would you say? So you start in '74. What would you say, other than like the whole you could meet art directors now, you can't. You could critique college students now, you can't. I'm. I'm over Sim- oversimplifying I know um uh what would you say is the biggest difference as a professional illustrator between then and now
1: um there were so many publications so many book publishers that somewhere you might be able to find a place to work and somebody who's supported to work people are scared for their jobs and have been for a long time now so mm-hmm. that's changed around a lot I think the young people going out can still find good art directors to work for and people who are going to support them. Uh, They might have to be making more changes and not have complete freedom, but they can probably... um, I think they can find people to work for who respect their work and have a good life doing illustration. But then... I don't think there were more people doing it, and certainly people graduating from school even a long time ago. You know, the same, probably a similar percentage would really pursue it and stick with it. Mm -hmm. But I think also that somebody could be hopeful of having their stuff left alone in the 80s. Pretty often if you worked for a few publications, and now I don't know that that's the case. What do you think?
0: Um, I asked that question to, I posed that question to a few folks who've worked in the seventies, um, or were, you know, an agent in the eighties and it's usually the same, usually the same, similar answer. You know, obviously the internet is the biggest or one of the biggest changes. Um, there are some social changes, uh, with respect to, you know, highlighting and focusing, underscoring, boosting, supporting, um, you know, under underrepresented and misrepresented voices in the art world, that kind of thing. Back, mm-hmm. back from back from that time, there are there are a number yeah. there are a number of different changes. I, the biggest one that I keep circling around and trying to find out like more about it, and which is why I asked you about it because you work in the seventies, is the whole like finding jobs thing. I think is it the question is is it harder to find jobs now than it was in the seventies? And some people say yes, some people say no. I I just don't know. I'm not, my own personal answer isn't concrete yet.
1: I don't know either if it's harder because now people who are in school are used to navigating the internet and finding places. But it was certainly more clear cut Mm -hmm. years ago than than it is now.
0: Right. Um, So speaking of illustrators looking to find jobs, there are folks listening in on this conversation. And um, what would you say to them, especially folks who are just kind of looking to do what they want to do, to use your words from earlier?
1: Well, I used to be kind of contemptuous of people who said, what do you, do for your what kind of work do you do for yourself? Uh, because I'd always think this was mine. This was absolutely what I wanted to do. You know, was illustration. It wasn't where there was something else that I really cared about. This was what my wholeheartedly loved mm-hmm. and wanted. So that's going to be important. To I think maybe there are some people who can separate. Um, what they really love and want and what they're doing for someone else. But I I think that loving this and wanting your work out there, and I didn't care about work being on somebody's wall. I absolutely didn't. It was the most exciting and best place to be was a newspaper. Mm -hmm. But it has to also be left alone and have some integrity in it. So I think now that maybe a better answer would be find the places that are going to leave your work alone and have respect for it. And then you do the other work because there are bills to pay <laughs> uh, and you do it as, as well as you can possibly do it. Mm-hmm. And then you have some other outlet for things when things aren't going right and you don't have a way of self-expression, then do what allows you that, and have a combination? And I think now that might be a better thing to do. And all of a sudden, I care about my work being in you know, on beautiful paper, and I don't if it's on somebody's wall, why not, or in a gallery, uh, at the same time as I care about it being out in the in the world, um, in publications. So maybe this combination is something that they might think of um, and have a good life doing whatever it is that allows them some freedom.
0: To learn more about Francis, visit fjetter.net. If you enjoyed our conversation, please share it with your friends, subscribe to the podcast, and provide a positive rating and review. Become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash illustration d-e-p-t In return, you'll receive our soft enamel pin, a reusable discount code for 10% off, and access to patron-only episodes we're calling Extra Credit. This podcast is produced by the Illustration Department, a global leader in online education for illustrators. Visit us at illustrationdept.com for class offerings, testimonials, the alumni showcase, the podcast show notes, our forum, the bookshop, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.